Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, taking your calls and your questions. I'm inviting you to join me on the air at 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or you can text me at 720-336-0897. This is the show where uh, we talk about the things that are on your mind and heart related to the scriptures. We pray together, uh, encourage one another in the things of the Lord, and and I see the phone lines are starting to light up, so go ahead and give us a call, 303-690-3000. If you're listening on the Grace FM radio network, you're listening live. Uh, this is a live broadcast, so when you call in, you'll be live on the air, and we'll talk together, and it'll be broadcast throughout Colorado up into Wyoming on Grace FM. But if you're listening on another station, if you're listening on Hope FM or Truth FM, if you're listening in California or Minnesota, and I think soon to be uh, Connecticut or Massachusetts, uh, you're hearing this with a one-week delay. Uh, what that means is is that you can call during the show uh, when it airs here in the afternoon, and you'll talk to me live or to whoever, whatever pastor's hosting, and, and you'll um, get the answer live, but you won't hear it on your station for a week. So it's a week delay to be aired on your station. So however you connect with us online or on a radio station, thanks for joining us. 303-690-3000 is the number. Once again, you can text me at 720-336-0897. I was reading in the scriptures today uh, and actually, I started reading last night, uh, but this, uh, but it, you know, it just kind of came to fruition uh, in my heart today. Is in Luke chapter sixteen. I just want to read it to you uh, and share with you while we're waiting for phone lines to fill up. I just want to share with you the significance of faithfulness. And Jesus uses this is one of those passages too that sometimes is uh, confused. Uh, at least people get confused over it, and I have to admit there is a confusing part to it. Uh, but if if you are near a Bible, uh, turn to Luke 16, or I can just read it to you. Uh, the little heading here in my New King James is the parable of the unjust servant. And so Jesus is teaching, it says in verse 1, He also said to his disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account for your stewardship, for you can no longer be a steward. And the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do, that when I'm put out of the stewardship, 
uh, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, How much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, Make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give to you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters. For either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So we have an example of an unfaithful steward uh, that was, when he was confronted, uh, went and took uh, the bills that were owed to his master, and he fulfilled what the rumor was, or you know the, what what it was said about him. Uh, he it says an accusation was brought to him because the accusation was actually true. Uh, and it's proven to be true because in response to the confrontation, he went out and wrote out these different, uh, you know, you owe this much, but hey, erase it, you can owe this much. And he forgave debt that, that wasn't his to forgive. And then Jesus said, hey, you know, there's a shrewdness in this person that I, I want you to pay attention to because if their world is shrewd with money, uh, you too must be shrewd with money, but without sin. Uh, you know, sometimes the the um, the scripture is is kind of used to say, well, we can be you know shady in business because look, this guy's shady in business. No, it wasn't that. He wasn't commending the shadiness. He was commending the shrewdness and comparing it to us as believers being faithful with what's been entrusted to us uh, to be good stewards of what has been given to us. And and I was just reminded how important it is for us to be good stewards, good stewards of our resources, good stewards of the gospel. Uh, good stewards with uh, all that's been entrusted to us. And, and we're certainly not perfect in this area, that's for sure, uh, but we want to uh, grow in being faithful in knowing that God has a great uh, purpose and plan ready for us. Uh, and, and just to, to know that whatever God's entrusted to us, we want to know it belongs to Him and not to us. And I thought that was encouraging. Maybe you've read something recently that you want to share. I'd love to hear uh, give me a call, 303-690-3000. All right, I'm going to go right to the phone lines. Uh, Denver, Nye is on the air. Nye, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Hi, what can I do for you? So, um, first of all, I just wanted to say I was raised Christian, but I was saved by Grace FM, and I now attend Calvary Chapel, so thank you so much. Ah, wonderful. That's great to hear. You're welcome. So, Pastor Ed, I uh, practice yoga. It helps my back, um, and it's just been something that I've been doing for years. Um, At the end of the practice, they sort of have a moment where we put our hands to our forehead, um, and sort of, it's it's like a greeting, but I, in in my mind, I'm always saying, thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity um, to work out and that sort of thing. But I wanted to know, does it say in the Bible, is it unchristian of me to participate in this? Well, yoga 
is, you know, for, for many people, when you look at yoga, uh, it just seems like a, a good exercise routine and a good physical exercise, um, you know, the mobility and the different things that, that they're doing. But yoga has a deeper philosophy behind it. Uh, it's more than just improving oneself. It's an it's a ancient practice that's been derived from India, uh, and it's believed to be the path to spiritual growth and enlightenment. And the word yoga literally means union. And from a from the inception of yoga, the goal is to unite the temporary self with the infinite Brahman, uh, the Hindu concept of God. And their their concept of God from the, toward the Hindu is not literal, but an impersonal spiritual substance uh, that is one with nature and one with the cosmos. We, we call that pantheism. And, and so I, I encourage, I encourage uh, folks that are involved in yoga to find an alternative uh, that doesn't have the kind of roots um, that, that yoga has and isn't derived, uh, even if it's practiced you know, without the participation of the spiritual aspect of it, um, is it possible? I think it is possible. I just think it's there are better alternatives out there just to stay away from those things that might underline or, and take away from the the reality of how yoga originated. And you know that's why personally I don't believe in Christian yoga. Um, I believe that if we're going to be stretching and improving our body, we can do it without Eastern uh, mysticism and Hindu beliefs. Okay, that's really helpful. Thank you so much. Do, do they give in? Uh, you're the first one to describe uh, for me what happens at the end. Do they give any instruction, or is there a specific instruction that the instructor gives with that partic- at the end? So they sort of say, um, you know, put your hands to your heart and then raise it to your third eye center, which is your forehead. Right. And then they sort of give a greeting that says, you know, the the light in me um, honors the light in you, and then everyone says namaste. Right, so, so that kind of fits into the description where it's the idea of yoga, the real... So you're, you're at a... I guess you could say that you're at a very legitimate uh, yoga place and that they're following it in, with its Hindu origins, and the idea is that everybody gets connected together with the infinite God so that we're all one and we're all God. Yeah, I guess so. <clears throat> so there all are t- there are alternatives to give you the kind of workout and exercise that you're looking for that wouldn't be in the shadows of this uh, of yoga that was derived from Hinduism. Okay, that's great. Thank you so much, Pastor Ed. You're welcome. That's a great question. Thanks for asking. Okay, thank you. All right, bye bye. Bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. We have an open line. I know in, early on in the show is a great time to get on the air because uh, the lines uh, tend to uh, fill up as the show goes on. So if you want to get in on the air, there's two ways. You know, Call right away, of course. I have a couple open lines, as I can see on the board. But also when you hear someone hang up, when someone hangs up, then uh, you know there's an open line. So grab it while you can. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Here's a text uh, message coming in. It says, need prayer, Pastor Ed. Three hospitals have turned me down for a transplant. And so this is from our sister Jocelyn in Philadelphia. Father, we lift up Jocelyn to you as she faces closed door after closed door with the significant uh, need for a transplant. 
And we pray, God, that you would help her and open the door, uh, open the right facility, give, give uh, the doctors wisdom and, and all of the needs for a transplant and bring it about in her life as it is according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Jocelyn, keep us up to date, okay? 303-690-3000. We've got a call coming in from Baltimore. Baltimore, uh, Nathan, welcome to the program. Hello. I wanted to know um, if the, if Christianity, if the Scriptures um, believe in the freedom of religion, um, separation of church and state, and free exercise, and what would be the, the source for that? Well, for those types of statements, those are actually rooted in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights within our own country, and the separation of church and state actually isn't in, in those defining documents. Um, I believe it was uh, Thomas Jefferson, and I may be, you know, you guys out there could correct me, but I believe it was Thomas Jefferson that introduced that phrase. Um, the, the Bible, if we were sticking to the Bible when it comes to religion, uh, the, the prohibition of of other religious practices um, is is really emphasized for the followers of God. And so God acknowledges in the scriptures that there are other religions. Um, you know, he refers to, especially in the Old Testament, to paganism. Of course, in the New Testament, when Jesus came on the scene uh, with Rome ruling the, ruling the world at the time, adopting Greek philosophy, there was a lot of false religion. You know, in the book of Acts, Paul's in Athens, and he's on Mars Hill, and he recognizes all the idolatry. So the freedom that God has given to an individual is, is just that. He's given an individual freedom to, and really you have two choices to make, even though there's many choices that I think are lived out through our freedom, there's actually two choices, and that's either to believe in Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him, or to believe in something else that's false. And, and so the way that you phrase the question kind of is rooted more in our uh, governing documents of our country, uh, but when it comes back to a biblical basis, certainly God gives man freedom to worship whoever he wants, but in that freedom declares that there's only one right way. So were the founders of our country, were they sinning when they allowed all sorts of different religions in America? No, I don't think they were sinning at all. I think that they were giving the opportunity, because you can't, you can't force someone to believe in Jesus Christ. You can't legislate someone to believe in Jesus Christ. Uh, no one is saved by being forced, or no one is saved by legislation. That's, that's what makes relationships so beautiful that in a relationship, when there's freedom, there, the, the, the type of strength of a relationship is when our freedoms are exercised to serve the other person. So I, I, putting it that way, it's a great question to ask, and as I think through it, no, I, I, don't, think that they, um, I don't think that there was a, a sin in allowing the freedom of other religion, um, because the gospel is what declares what is true and right religion, and everything else is false. Thank you. Great question. I've never heard that one before. Thank you. God bless you. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. All right. We're going to move right on to Colorado Springs. Dan, welcome to the program. 
Thank you, Pastor, for taking my question. You're welcome. So my question has to do with uh, Old Testament when they were moving the Ark of the Covenant yes. um, on the cart, and um, you know it began to become unsteady, and the guy reached up and touched it, yes. and it, you know he was instantly killed. So I, the Bible doesn't expand on, or somewhere else, maybe I haven't read in the Bible, it doesn't expand on whether he actually went to heaven or he went to hell, or he was just killed for the actions at that moment. What are your thoughts? I've heard of reasons why, but I haven't heard what happened, what, what the thought process is after that. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm looking for the text. Do you have the text real quick? It'll save me some time. I do not. I was just leaving work, and I heard that you had some lines open, so I thought I'd call in and ask my question that's been on my mind for a while. Okay, it's a great question. I'm going to talk I'm gonna, until I find it. Maybe so, somebody can send me the text while I find it, because my computer is not cooperating. But remembering the story um, by memory, um, the Bible merely says that he was judged for disobeying God in the moment, and that, and that the judgment was his immediate physical death. Um, during that time, the salvation uh, for a, a person was, by faith, obeying God through the Old Covenant. And so the, the way that their sins were forgiven was by the yearly sacrifice of the high priest. And although this person, um, and, and for some reason I cannot find that text, and I kind of get frustrated all in the moment to find the text... Um, and one of the, one of the things I did hear was somebody explained it one way as to why he was killed that he his lack of faith or something that God couldn't you know preserve or save you know the Ark of the Covenant without His intervention. Um, and I I was kind of open to that, but I I don't know what maybe your thoughts are on well, they, why you know they were never instructed to build a cart to carry the Ark of the Covenant. Yes, they were yeah, instructed to carry it a certain way. So that was the first mistake. Um, the the sin that he was the the sin that 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 he committed was touching the ark, and by touching the ark, uh, he disobeyed God in the moment, and it cost him his life. Uh, but there's no indication that he wasn't a part of the covenant people. There's no indication that there was an eternal judgment for that. Um, just simply that he disobeyed in God in the moment, and he paid it paid for that with his life. Okay. Yeah, I'm just curious. I, you know, I didn't think that would be some eternal punishment for what he did. I mean, I think uh, as a human being, your instant reflexes when something would be falling, you know, without thinking, would instantly be to try and, you know, preserve it or stop it from happening. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't think that was some eternal judgment. I thought it was just the initial punishment for the sin. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that. Uh, let's say, for a, for example, in the un, even a, in the new covenant or the old covenant that a person wouldn't be judged by the last act of their life, uh, but rather it would be by faith in the provision of God, living according, because no one lived perfectly in the Old Covenant, and no one lives perfectly in the New Covenant, so that our relationship with God is through the blood. And in the Old Covenant, there, there, were, there were many... Um, there were many conditional promises given to the children of Israel on a variety of different things, but for the forgiveness of their sin, it was tied directly to their faith in the blood that was shed on the Ark of the Covenant uh, once a year uh, in the Holy of Holies by the high priest. And I don't believe that a person would be judged for their final sin 
when their faith was in, or, you know, like a sin that led to death, or that they uh, committed a sin that they didn't confess, uh, but rather it was the blood of Jesus Christ in the Old Covenant that covered their sin. It's the blood of, or the, blood of the animal sacrifice in the Old Covenant. In the New Covenant, the blood of Jesus Christ that removed their sin. Okay. Well, great. I appreciate your uh, response to that. It's just one of those things I think sometimes when people who don't have a lot of knowledge of the Bible or faith, like some of the things you said, and they read something like that, they'll think, oh my gosh, that was so harsh, but they have to have more knowledge in the overall picture, kind of like, you know, drinking the milk or being a meat eater in, in your knowledge. Well, you know, that sin, when you see in Leviticus, that's when many of our uh, devos right now and our reading through the scriptures is in Leviticus, and you see all of these prohibitions. The prohibitions, uh, if you were choose to disobey them, uh, you you would be sinning against a holy and a righteous God, and that sin would then be covered by the blood of the Lamb or the blood of the sacrifice. And and so let I, uh, somebody text me. Thank you guys for texting me. It's Second Samuel chapter six, verse six. When they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of the ark of God, took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. The anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there uh, by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the name place Perez Uzzah, even as it is to this day. So the, the consequence for touching the ark was immediate physical death, not spiritual. Okay. Excellent. Well, thank you for uh, explaining that, and I uh, always appreciate listening to your radio and I love your straightforwardness about things. I, I, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for calling. God bless you. 303-690-3000 is the number. Uh, here's a text question. Uh, it says, since Noah was a preacher of righteousness and no one listened to him, that judgment was coming, how many people exactly could he reach across the world without any technology? It seems people got destroyed that never heard his preaching. Thanks. Um, well, Nick, that's a great observation to make because certainly we live in a different time uh, when technology is available that, that, uh, that we can see the gospel going out and having an influence across the world very quickly. But take into consideration a couple of things about Noah. First of all, he was building a monstrosity of a boat of which no one really had heard about before. And the, the preacher of righteousness, the idea of him preaching was took place over a span of about 120 years. And so information can certainly go around the world very quickly in 120 years. And, and so whoever, whoever that preaching of righteousness was, there was certainly more than just Noah uh, in spreading the good news of God and his love for people. Like God has, <clears throat> up to the time of Noah, we're talking about uh, a massive population on the earth, and the communication, while we don't have it the way it is today, I believe certainly could be spread through word of mouth and through the communication process of that day. But but you have a second question, and it, and it's it's kind of framed this way. It seems like people got destroyed that never heard. Now, that's a separate question in the sense of what happens if there is a possibility of someone that never heard never heard a full presentation of the love of God. <clears throat> For example, in Noah's case, it was the warning of judgment and the need to turn to God through repentance uh, and submit in, to God 
through the, the old covenant, or at least submit to God by faith at the knowledge that they had at the time. But what about now when the full gospel has been given and there are still tribes that don't have technology, there are still people in different parts of the world that we could probably say that they, there are still unreached people groups with the gospel. You know, ministries even keep up with this. So then what about those that have never heard the gospel? And to that, I believe the Bible speaks, especially in the book of Romans, that everyone will be held accountable for what they know, not for what they don't know. And no matter where you are on the planet Earth, everyone has been given light. Everyone has been given a glimpse of God. Everyone has been given insight to God. Uh, for example, if you, if you think of darkness representing lostness and think of darkness as uh, you know, people not hearing and not knowing about God and think of in that dark condition light being shown you know, because any little bit of light in dark lighten, brightens up the place, right? And everyone has been given two streams of divine light, if you will, divine revelation. Number one, every human being on the planet Earth with understanding has been given the light of creation, the light of creation, that a person can look at creation and come to the conclusion that they did not create it. You could look at a mountain, you could look at a tree, you could look at a flower, you could look at a body you know that you did not create humans, rocks, mountains, and that would lead a person to pursue that light and say, I don't understand, why am I here? And it would cause a person to ask questions. Secondly, everyone on the planet Earth, man, woman, and child, has been given a divine sense of right and wrong. We call that our conscience. Everyone has been given a divine sense of right and wrong. Um, you may not be able to explain it with biblical clarity. Uh, you may not be able to put biblical words to it, but you can explain the difference, and you know the difference, and you recognize the difference between right and wrong. For example, if someone stole something from you, let's say you live in a um, <clears throat> you live in a middle of nowhere in a tribe. You don't you've never heard the gospel. You have your own language. You don't have a Bible. Don't have technology. And someone came to your hut and stole something from you you would recognize that that was wrong. That's wrong. Well, how, who taught you what was right and wrong? You learned the concept of right and wrong because God put a conscience in every man. So that also then leads you to ask questions and to determine why you were created and why you're on the planet. And I believe that if you follow the light that's been given, God will then give you, thirdly, the light of Christ the fullness of the message. And, and while I don't have the answer specifically to every single human being, I do know this. Um, and, I, I, and I do think that's a sufficient answer, but it still lacks. You know, it's still, there, there's still a mystery about it, and I think God intended that. But I, I, would, I would finalize that thought with this. When you and I are in the presence of God, and he explains to us how he was fair, holy, righteous, and in his judgment on, on mankind, on his creation, when we're in his presence, we will fully agree with him. Even if we don't have the full answer now, although I think you know the light of creation, the light of, of conscience leads to the light of Christ, um, that everyone is born dead in their trespasses and sins, uh, and that deadness is a spiritual deadness, it's a darkness, but God shines the light of the gospel into that darkness, uh, that through that, 
he will bring about he will bring about an opportunity that no one will be able to blame God. No one will be able to blame God. Uh, we will all agree with God, and man is without excuse, the Bible says. And I did a, a full Bible study on that in the book of Romans. If you want to go to our app, uh, you can download our free app. Just go to your app store, put in Calvary Aurora, or you can also just put in the name Ed Taylor, and the app will pop up and all the teachings will be on there, and you can look in the book of Romans. What about those who never heard? Thank you so much. Got one open line, got a couple people waiting, and already we're at the halfway point of our show. So appreciate the opportunity to be with you today. Uh, The number to dial is 303-690-3000. Look forward to hearing from you while we take this quick break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back everyone to the second half of today's program. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm taking your calls and questions today. The number to get on the air is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000, or you can text me. Uh, we have a wide open, if you're in a safe place, to send a text message. Please do it, 720-336-0897. Before I get back to the phone lines, I want to remind everyone that we're going to be um, back in the book of Daniel tonight as a church family. Uh, we're going to be studying uh the second part of the message we started last time on the topic of the Antichrist. And I know it's not necessarily the most fascinating Bible study topic, but because in Daniel he mentions this horn a couple of times, we wanted to fill in the blanks as we study through the prophetic side of Daniel on the um, on the topic of the Antichrist. And so we started first... Uh, part last week, and we're going to finish up the second part this week. All right, we're going to move on to Derek in Fort Collins, Colorado. Derek, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you. You're welcome. Hey, so I have a prayer request, but uh, first I want to give a praise report. Okay. I uh, called in about two weeks ago and, and spoke with you. I was on the job hunt and just asking for God to close and shut the doors that uh, I was to walk through. And um, you know, I thought the grass was greener on the other side, and after, you know, testing the waters, kind of realized that God wanted me to stay where I'm at. Okay. And that's a blessing. And then, uh, you know, had a, a nice, honest discussion with my employer and was able to get the financial raise that uh, I was looking for. Oh, wow. So, that's fantastic. Congratulations. Very great. Yeah, thank you. Um, and then with that, you know, the, the working world is very competitive and self-seeking, um, and I just, it's so often that everybody's, it seems like everybody's getting in the mud and slinging mud at each other for their own benefits. And with that, you know, it's easy to kind of fall in line. So I'd like some prayer to kind of stay above reproach. Okay. I don't want my witness to be, you know, questioned because, you know, I fall in line with how everybody's treating each other. I want to stay above all of that. Okay, um, let's let's pray. Awesome, thank you. 
Father, thank you for answering our prayers for Derek, you know, as he was stepping out in faith and you leading and guiding him. We're grateful that you give us the freedom to express ourselves and give us the freedom to take steps of faith uh, or not and, and just leading us and guiding us. It doesn't always feel that way, Lord. It doesn't always seem that way, but you're over and above our feelings, Lord. We walk by faith and not by sight. So thank you. I rejoice with Derek and, and pray that you would continue to help him to be above reproach, uh, like it says in First Timothy 3, Lord, that we would be blameless. Um, we know that we're not going to be perfect, uh, that we're going to fail, uh, that, that our lives will continue to have actions and attitudes of sin. But God, be quick to convict us and make us yeah. quick to respond that, and make things right, Lord, that um, we want to stay above reproach. Uh, we, we don't want to give the enemy any opportunity uh, to stick an accusation on us. Like Even like we were reading in the text, Lord, when accusations come, we just want them to be false. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, can we do another prayer? Um, when I was praying last night, I don't know if I would consider it a vision, but that kind of laid on my heart to to pray for the youth, um, you know, young young people that kind of have that spark. I think it really ties into what you were saying about the light that we all are given. Yes. And um, can we pray, and everybody listening, please, please pray for, you know, God to raise up leaders and... and people that respect him and honor him in this sure. next generation. Yeah, let's do that. Father, I thank you. Thinking of the younger people, we we lift them up before you, God, knowing that there is a a great need for um the gospel to take root in a person's heart at such a younger age with all the temptations, all the challenges, Lord, we pray that you'd raise up a stronger, broader, bigger army of young people to carry the torch of the truth. And that there would be salvation, God. And I know that's been a burden in our church recently, just a need to uh, exhort. There's been a lot of exhortation lately, Lord. And, and I pray for your word to go forward, to stir people unto love and good works, and to stir young people. Um, and so we look, pray for that. And I pray for Derek's vision, Lord. Thank you for giving him that vision and giving him a heart for the youth. And uh, use that. Take him into the, uh, the, the next steps of what that vision was for, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Ed. All right, God bless you, brother. for all that you do. God bless. 303-690-3000 is the number. We're going to head over to Westminster now is Ryan. Ryan, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, Pastor Ed. Hey, what's up? So I had a prayer request, um, and then while I was on hold, I thought of a question that's kind of been, you know, eating at me a little bit. Okay. Um, First, I want to say thank you personally because you've answered so many of my questions, and I really appreciate all the work you do and the love you have for God, brother. You're thank amazing. You. Um, and also, I would really like to thank uh, the Pure Life Ministry that you have at your church because without that, I don't know if I would still be married to my wife. Wow. And uh, Pastor Micah, I love that brother. Thank you. Yes, he's got <laughs> thank God for him. I agree. Um, so uh, my question is, sometimes when I'm at work, I have to wear a hard hat, and there's just random moments while I'm at work that I really want to say a prayer, but I kind of feel like it's disrespectful for me to be praying with a, a hat over my head. Um, is that is that right for me to feel that way? Should I be taking my hard hat off? Should I? I don't know. 
you know, it's an interesting thing. It's more of a it's more of a cultural thing, a, a more of a cultural thing to take your hat off at the dinner table, to take take your hat off when you're praying, uh, to take your hat off when you're you know the national anthem. Um, but it's not a biblical mandate. Um, there is some instruction in the scriptures about head coverings, but it's for women, and it was a cultural uh-huh. teaching in the Book of Corinthians about women not looking like prostitutes and such, and it it wasn't. Um, in any way, you know, when you think of prayer too, uh, you think of how we were taught to pray with our eyes closed and our hands folded and our heads yeah. bowed. Um, but that's not a good posture to pray while you're driving. Uh, and so, you know, I think <laughs> that, that the the I think that the requirement of your job to have a hard hat and your safety um, is in no way disrespectful when you begin to talk to God. He's going to hear you. Um, and you know the Bible says that God looks on the outward, or excuse me, man looks on the outward, but it's God that looks at the heart. And so I don't think it would be disrespectful at all if, in an environment where you're required to wear your hat because of the safety, and you're you know you're required, you agreed to that. You said I'm going to work for you, and 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 then they said, okay, if you're going to work for us, then while you're here, put on a hard hat. And you said, okay. Right. And and I don't believe God would say, hey, look, I don't hear you because you have a hard hat on. But rather, he says, man, I'm so grateful that you would want to talk to me. It's so grateful. And, you know, because it's an important issue to you, when the opportunity is there, it's okay. I, I still take off my hat when I'm praying, uh, and I don't even know why, except that that's how I was raised, and and I just do it instinctively. Uh, but the times that I don't, I do believe God hears me anyway. Okay. Thank you very much. That clears up quite a bit. Um, so... My prayer request. Um, I was wondering if you could please pray for um, my wife's my wife's kids. Um, they've been acting out, uh, disrespectful at school, and it's becoming more and more trying. And it's it's hard. And and sometimes we just feel like we're at our wits ends with these kids, and we don't know what else to do except keep doing what we're trying to do and just set a good example. And it's disheartening when they don't pick up on that example. Um, so if you could pray for our family, that. That, that would be really amazing. Father, I pray for my brother as you're restoring to him things that have been lost. You're restoring authority and leadership. You're restoring purity. Uh, as you're doing that work, God, the, not, not everyone always wants to follow. And so I pray for his family. I pray for his boys. God, I pray that as you continue to raise him up, and he's a different man, a different man than he was. And not only is he a different man, but it's evident that he's different, that there would be the right adjustments around him and his family, that there would be a hunger and thirst for righteousness that's infectious. And so thank you, God, for your faithfulness and for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Pastor Ed. I really appreciate it. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, I got a text question here, actually a comment that I really want to say thank you. My mind isn't uh, working as fast today as I'd like it to. I got a lot on my mind, so I missed this part of the question earlier. So I'm grateful that you text in to help me. It says, regarding the Noah question, everyone who did hear his message rejected it. Rejected it. Evil permeated the entire earth. And even if his message reached every single ear, and it might have done just that, the scripture indicated nobody accepted his warning, and thus all but his family members perished. Um, and I, I appreciate that, because that really is the fullness of the answer. Besides the other question, 
that the Bible declares that by the judgment that God um, spoke of, and and again, I want to also clarify that 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 was the whole earth. And so however supernaturally or physically or however God chose to get the... um, to get the message around of this vote and impending judgment that <clears throat> that the whole earth um, was under judgment. And because the whole earth was under judgment, that means the whole earth rejected the message. Now, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, it says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. But according to... Um, the In verse 5, it says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It was a worldwide sin and a worldwide judgment, and it was Noah who found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and it was Noah's sons and daughters and wife that found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So I think implicit, or I should say, yeah, I would say implicit in the text is that his message did get around the world without technology, and the evidence of that was that judgment included everyone was touched by the message of God and the judgment of God and the salvation of God. Every human being either faced the judgment of God or the salvation of God. And it was Noah's obedience, as we studied recently in Hebrews, that was the preacher of righteousness. And I made the point in the Bible study, and this was a great question and follow-up, so thank you guys, but I made the point in our Bible study that uh, by faith, Noah worked, he obeyed, and it was obedience that that was the message, that was the message of God's judgment and how to get right with God. And the only way out was to be in the ark, which was a type and a picture of Jesus Christ. Today, the message of the gospel goes forth that the only way to escape the judgment of God is to get in Christ, to be found in Christ by repenting of your sins and surrendering your life to him. So we get the same kind of mockery today. We get the same kind of ridicule today for the message of the gospel that Noah got for the ark, because the ark is a type and a picture of Jesus Christ. So the message did go to everyone, and everyone did reject it. That's implicit in the text, because everyone apart from Noah and his family perished. And the other point that I made, uh, for those of you that might be pastors or leaders or Sunday school teachers, or uh, that Noah was not found, he was not judged for his success, right? Because the entire world rejected him except his family, but he was judged for his faithfulness. And not only that, another point that comes out is that the, the most important part of the gospel message is our family. And, and Noah uh, was believed by his family, which is encouraging. 303. So thank you. Thank you very much for texting that in. That's a great follow-up to the previous question. And like I said, my mind is just not operating as fast uh, as it sometimes does. So thank you so much. 303-690-3000. David in Aurora, Colorado. David, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, Pastor. Um, I know earlier you were talking about um, or discussing Hindu religion, um, and then uh, this is somewhat uh, associated with it. Uh, Eastern medication, like um, trans, uh, traditional uh, Chinese medicine, Western medicine, and then um, having that in light of James chapter five, verse fourteen: Are any of you sick? 
you should call on the elders of the church to yes. come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Wondering um, if we are visiting a physician seeking mm-hmm. medical attention, how do you reconcile that passage with people who are reaching out and seeking medical attention from professionals? Well, I think that sometimes we approach um, we approach things with an either or um, proposition, and mm. I, I don't believe this is one of those either or propositions between either just having somebody pray for you—that's the only avenue you can take—or a choice of Western or Eastern medicine, you know, or any of the philosophies of medicine that would help heal the body. Um, I think that this is an indication of. Uh, it's okay to do both. Um, I do believe we underuse the anointing of oil and the praying over the sick. I do, you know, as the Bible says, this any and, and he the place he places the emphasis on the anointing of oil and praying for healing upon the sick person. James does, he says, if any of you are among among you are sick, you know, come to the elders and let them anoint you with oil. You know, ask for it, um, but. At the same time, God has given incredible wisdom to people uh, in the study of medicine, in the study of, of treatments, and has brought about healing. And I think he uses the mind of people uh, to bring about healing in people's bodies. I think the things that we need to, to, to be careful of, whatever it might be, is in um, the, the philosophical underpinnings of a solution or the philosophical, like like we had in the yoga question, the essence of yoga in and of itself is Hindu in, in, in its origin. Whereas not even all, when we refer to something as Eastern or Western medicine, there, there are different philosophies applied, but not everything in Eastern medicine has been developed with a false uh, religious narrative, but it was found in a different way or it came from a different set of presuppositions. Um, but I think when you when you look at medicine and doctors at, as opposed to asking for healing, I don't think it's either or. I think it's biblically it's both. Mm. You know, you think of you think of in the scriptures there were medical there were medical uh, things done in the scriptures. People applied bandages to wounds. They used oil. They used wine as topical agents. They um, Paul told um, Timothy to take some wine for the, his stomach ailments. Um, and so medicine in and of itself is not prohibited by God. And I would imagine so also with one of the apostles, uh, Dr. Luke. Um, yes, that's another great... being a physician. Yes. Very good. Well, thanks so much, Pastor. That was very helpful. And I would even add that Dr. Luke was probably um, trained in the Greek philosophy of medicine. And... And yet he was a companion of Paul. And it's interesting, too, now that we think out loud, because this is another great question, just kind of thinking out loud, uh, that Paul was used mightily of God to heal others, and yet he prayed for healing himself. And he took a doctor along with him. And it seems to him that the scriptures, the timeline of the Gospels, uh, indicate to us that he carried sicknesses all the way to his death. Very true. That thorn in the flesh. Yes. That, um, and his eye issue to be removed. Yep. And yet, no. Great God insight. Thank you so much. Says, you know, my grace is is enough. Yes. Wow, that's fantastic, Pastor. Thanks so much. Thank you. God bless you. God bless. Bye bye. Bye bye.
303-690-3000. Appreciate your patience today uh, with my mind just talking out loud a little bit. Um, appreciate it. 303-690-3000. Let's go back to the phone lines. Dwayne is calling from Pennsylvania. Hey, Dwayne, how can I pray for you? Hey, how you doing? I'm Man, doing this okay. might be kind of silly, but um, I was on, I called a week or so ago. Yes. About uh, a court hearing because somebody uh, wrecked into my vehicle, didn't have insurance, and basically I had to sue them, try to get my vehicle fixed. However, the judgment I got was nowhere near enough. And that was like a week or so ago, and um, maybe two. Um, and then I just text the guys, like, oh, what are you going to do? I mean, what, what's, what's going to happen? You know, and then he's like, oh, I'm probably going to, I'm going to, what do you want me to do? I'm going to appeal it, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, this happened back in July, and it's been nothing but a fight and argument and back and forth, and the judgment's nowhere near enough to fix my vehicle. Okay. But as I, as I said before when I called last week saying about this, um, it's, you know, I'm in a, pretty much like a homeless situation and jobless. It's like I'm pretty much in the gutter, even though I have somebody helping me out and yeah. staying someplace for a, little, a bit, but it's not an ideal situation. And... uh <laughs> The, the, even though I'm not able to fix my van with the money, but be able to take care of some insurance inspections and all that other stuff, even like doing laundry. <laughs> okay, well, let's pray for that. Father, I pray for my brother in Pennsylvania who is challenged financially even for situations with laundry and the challenges that, that he's facing. I pray that you would provide for his needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus, uh, that you would help him. That, that you would strengthen him, uh, that you would fill him afresh with a, a sense of your Holy Spirit, that uh, you would keep him from being discouraged uh, and strengthen him. Um, and we, we look forward to hearing a phone call in the future of not only these situations with the insurance and stuff, the accident to be resolved, but that he has shown you, you, you I should say you have shown him, Father, um, how you've used this situation in his life to make him stronger and committed to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, well, now I don't know if you ever saw that movie, Peter and Paul. I have it. Uh, about Dr. Luke, when I heard that guy saying uh-huh. about that. Yeah. And um, I forget what part it was in the movie, but Luke says, like, oh, I never met uh, a Greek doctor before. I've always just been around Egyptian oh, yeah. doctors. And, you get, and the guy goes, like, then Luke, the guy that played Luke goes, oh, no harm can come of that, but stay healthy. Yes. Huh. <laughs> but anyway, all right. God bless you, brother. Bye bye. Have a good day. Thank Thanks. you. Hey, here's a text question that just came in. It's a Bible question. It says, um, "I have a Bible question. I noticed there are different translations in Proverbs twenty nine eleven. Some versions say fool utters all his mind. Others say a fool vents all his anger. Uh, I wonder why some versions emphasize anger rather than all feelings. Uh, and that's what my I was looking at up." Uh, in the New King James, it says, A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. In Proverbs 29, 11, uh, in the New Living, it says, Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. So, you know, I looked at the, the, the word feelings, 
and the immediate uh, the immediate translation of feelings is neither anger. That word is neither anger or feelings. It actually is the uh, Greek, or excuse me, the Hebrew word ruach, which means spirit. So to me, I think that there is a, a connection with the word venting uh, that would help a translator uh, come to the conclusion that it was anger or feelings. Uh, you, you don't typically vent something good. Venting, that English word, doesn't generally in our language refer to something good. Uh, it usually has a negative connotation, and so from the Hebrew, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, I'm just using uh, Zodiades, um, uh, uh dictionary for Hebrew, I'm certain that the there's a whole, if you want to email me, uh, I can send you this entry of the, uh, it's a long definition of Ruach, uh, and all the different places it's used in the, he, in the Old Testament, and uh, you can read some of the different nuances. Uh, and from that, you would also then be able to see um, perhaps a translator's process uh, of how that word was used in different places. Um, but, you know, I think it's going to be tied contextually to the word venting. Uh, and from the word venting, uh, we typically don't um, use the word venting for positive emotions. And it's wise, whatever these are, according to the, verse 11, it's wise to hold them back. It's wise not to give vent to them. Um, it's wise, and, it, and I would have to say that that practical wisdom is true. Um, it's true that, that we're to cast our cares upon the Lord because he cares for us. And as uh, he's our first one to go to, and as he ministers to us and helps us, then if it's another person, we could go to that person. Um, they won't be the one we vent on. They'll be the one we talk to. Um, and there'll be a greater chance of, of talking and understanding and listening to one another if we are taking our, thing, our cares and concerns to the Lord first and then to one another. 303-690-3000. I think we have time for one more phone call, uh, and I think we will go to... Uh, I think we are... I think I took that one already. Dwayne. I think it's Lisa in Baltimore, right? Lisa in Baltimore, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Okay. Um, uh, so I just want to um, say thanks for all the awesome wisdom that you provide on here. It's, I listen to it a lot, and it's awesome, and it's really encouraging and uplifting. Uh, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> and I just wanted to ask um, a question, and this obviously could be a long question, but I'm going to try to be short-winded. Uh, okay, good, because we only have two I'm minutes. A- I'm a single mom of four, okay. and my husband and I, we, he was a great dad, great husband, and he went through something, I don't know what it was, but four years ago he decided to leave the family and walk out. Okay. And um, uh, there was another woman involved at some point, and then he eventually left that relationship, divorced me, and got, uh, he's, he's now remarried again and okay. doing life with someone else. All right. And I just... Um, like, there's just so much anger. Like, there's so much anger and resentment and hurt that he's caused. And I want to kind of know, like, what God says to me about going forward. Um, you know, just what, what I'm, what's that supposed to look like for him with his new relationship in particular? Well, you know, for him and his new relationship, I believe God—I believe he's living under the conviction of God. 
Um, he may mm. be ignoring it. He may be resisting it. He may be um, fighting it. But God's heart for, is for him to um, repent of his sins. Um, mm. Re- mm. Repenting of his sins, I don't believe, is going to require him to divorce his current wife. Um, mm. okay. you know, he has moved on. He has caused a lot of pain, a lot of, di- di- a lot of difficulty. And you know, the Bible says that God hates divorce. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, uh, in in his relationship, I think if if he would repent and humble himself before God, God would begin to lead him and guide him, and mm-hmm. and um, you know, I think he would with clear headed with a clear headed mind. I believe he would regret all the decisions that he's made. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, he would be. Well, I faced... do want to say God's God's been faithful to me and my kids. Yes. So I mean that. I, yeah, he's been really really faithful to me and the kids. And I, and I think for you. Um, you know, this topic of forgiveness is so important um, to, to not only understand biblical forgiveness, but to know that you and I are called to forgive, even if mm. the person hasn't repented, we're to Ugh. release them from the <laughs> debt that they've, um, yeah. that they've caused us. And, and however, forgiveness doesn't necessarily equal reconciliation, because yeah. for reconciliation to take place, there needs to be repentance. And so it, it is a long road for you. But I do know that yeah. as you're thinking and contemplating and even recognizing some of the feelings and emotions that you're carrying, forgiveness is the way out. And I'd encourage you, email me, because I know the music is going to start right now. Email mm-hmm. me, <clears throat> send an email to ed at edtaylor.org, and I'll send you um, some great information on the topic of forgiveness. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for calling. All right. Uh-huh. That r- wraps up our show today. Come on out for Bible study tonight at 7 o'clock. Uh, We're in the book of Daniel here at Calvary Church. Thanks. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.